Welcome to the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Carrigar Kearns, owner of coaching company Inspired Life Solutions Limited. With over 18 years of knowledge and experience in both psychology and social work, this weekly podcast will show you how I learned my success from the success of others and how I figured out who I really am. I'll share real talk with you about the people I've worked with and also the people I've had to let go. You'll learn how to value unpleasant experiences as a place of reference rather than a place of residence and how to focus on what you can control rather than what you can't. You will never heal in the same place that made you sick and so it's time for you to figure out who you really are instead of who you think you're supposed to be. It's time for you to reclaim your identity. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. Today, I'm going to speak to you about something that I've had a few of my listeners have reached out to me and asked me for some advice on how they're supposed to actually move forwards from where they're at right now and how they they feel like they're just expected to integrate back into society and just to go back to work, go back to school, go back to college, to university, just like the last 12, 13, 14 months have never happened. And this is a big, big deal for so many people. It causes massive anxiety. It causes huge distress. It causes a lot of insecurity very, very unfamiliar ground, lots and lots of unanswered questions with the questions that probably never will be answered or can't be answered at this time. When I say my listeners have reached out asking me for this information, I mean people of all ages because I have listeners who are in school. I have people under 18 who listen to me as well as people over 18. And I have people that are listening to me on an international level as well. So it's interesting to see how something that was a global pandemic and still is in many, many places, how ultimately it's affected everybody in a similar way to some extent in that our mental health is not the same now as it was for us here in March 2020. You know, in the UK, March 2020, that's when things changed for us. It changed for me, changed for my husband, changed for my family. And I would imagine that for most of my UK listeners here, it's changed for you since then as well. The question I have got to ask you today, the the overarching sort of the ultimate question, how are you feeling right now? Because this question is something that we're all asking ourselves a lot more in recent times. And other people are asking us too. And the usual response would be something like, I'm fine. I'm okay. It'll get better. We just keep going. You know, it's very, very unlikely that somebody will actually say, I'm not good, even if that's how they feel. People don't like to admit to feeling insecure and to feeling defeated, to feeling like they said the wrong thing. How are you feeling right now? Yes, we are are all asking ourselves this a lot more, but it isn't just related to the pandemic. Because if you think in recent years, the conversation around mental health, it has opened up a lot. It's become much more accepting to perhaps visit a GP or a mental health therapist or a psychologist and explain that you're not feeling at your best. It's become much more accepted that we're allowed to do that 
without being judged. And as people are becoming more aware of the link, the really powerful link between our minds, our mental well-being and our bodies as our physical health and the way that we present ourselves, the things that we choose to do, lots of people now are looking at ways that they can boost their own mental well-being. What else can we be doing to help us? What, what must we start to do? What must we stop to do? So there's lots of different things that people will suggest. There's things like getting outdoors. There's things like doing exercise, speaking to people, starting a new hobby, you know, maybe going visiting someone you've not seen for a long time. These are the types of suggestions what will typically get given if we were to ask for some support. Ultimately, routine, having a good routine is critical for good mental health. But the problem is, at the start of the pandemic, I know in the UK, which was March 2020, at the start of the pandemic, the routine was one of the first things that just disappeared. It was just taken away from us, from all of us. We didn't have any say in it. We didn't have any chance to prepare for it. We just got told, right, as of such a day, this is going to stop. You can't do this. You can't go do the work. You can't go. To, you can't see your friends. You can't see your family. The shops are closing. You can't go to the cafe or to the pub. You're not allowed to even go out and exercise for some of the parts of it. All those things that people naturally integrate into their day, that routine that they have, that structure they have, they were all removed without warning and without any chance to choose otherwise. They were just taken. Now, obviously, that happened for the right reasons at the time. So I'm not here to say that shouldn't have happened. That's, that's not what I'm doing. That isn't how I feel. But my point is that routines as we knew them, if you think about a routine, that's who you are. You perform to a routine. You set a routine. That's your identity. Well, that just got taken away for everybody. So what happens there is we end up avoiding things. We got the permission, if you like, to become avoiding of things. We, we had to stay away from other people. You know, we had to put our lives on hold. We weren't allowed to try anything new. We got told just to stay as we was and just wait till we get told different. One of my clients, he describes that as, he says it, it was like being in prison, but worse because you weren't guilty of anything. Now, my client, the one that said that, has previously been in prison a long time ago. And he still likened how he felt in the last 12 to 13 months of being in prison, but worse, because he couldn't see anybody. He lived on his own. So he couldn't see anybody. He couldn't go out anywhere. And he felt like he'd done something wrong when he hadn't. If you think of someone like that, his routine in previous years would have been similar perhaps to mine and to yours in that you go out to work and you go out shopping and you see people. You might go out for a walk. You might go to the gym, do some sort of exercises. You might go out on your bike like I do regularly and visit friends that way. All those things we normally would do that define who we are. We got told, no, you can't do that anymore. Stop. So that leads to massive anxiety. And we're thinking about what we could or we should be doing but then thinking, well, there's no point because we're not allowed to. So if you fast forward 14 months, 15 months to where we are today, that makes the things what we could and should be doing, now that we're starting to be allowed to do them again, it makes them really, really hard because we've spent so long being told that we can't do them. We've kind of got used to it and that's become our new routine. That's become the normal for us. So for me, for example, I've continued 
as much as possible throughout the whole of the lockdown. My children all had to be off school and away from nursery in the beginning. But then once the nurseries reopened last summer, they went back. And then my eldest daughter, she returned to school in September. For me, as somebody that works as a coach and I work from home anyway, it hasn't felt overly different other than I wasn't allowed to see anybody. And I wasn't allowed to go out for my lunch, for example, or out to a pub or a cafe with anybody because they were still closed at the time. They've only recently reopened, as we know. So I was used to just being at home working on my own. But that isn't too dissimilar to what I already signed up for, if you like, anyway. So now I've got the luxury of being allowed to go and see friends and of being allowed to go for my lunch in a cafe or a pub or a bar somewhere. You know, those those luxuries, which really, I suppose they shouldn't be luxuries. They should just be entitlements because that's that's what we're allowed to do. That's what's expected of us. That's what we expect to be able to do. But obviously they weren't allowed. So they know, we now see them as luxuries because, you know, someone described to me, it's like a dog being let out of the cage, you know, it's like, wow, we can get back out now. We can do what we want. Let's go wild. And of course we had the nice weather. We're still experiencing that nice weather now. Here where I am in Manchester, it's been really hot and sunny now for weeks. It's really nice weather. But those luxuries at one time were not. They were just the expectations, what we had of ourselves of things that we would do each day. And everybody was different. Some people had different things they liked to do in their spare time or that they liked to incorporate into their day. For me, what this means is it makes it very hard for so many people to get back used to doing those things they know are good for them. So another example, slimming clubs, you know, support groups for weight loss. I'm not going to name any names because we all have our own preferences and there's lots of them available. But All of those have only just reopened and there's still limited numbers on who can attend particular groups at certain times. There's a booking system in place. That's very different to how it used to be when you could just turn up and if it was full, you could still stand at the back. You know, there was no worry about what if I get there and there's no room? What if everybody looks at me? There's none of that. People just used to go if they felt like they could and enjoy themselves and then leave. But it's different now because like I say, there's a booking system. But worse than that, is people have got out of the habit, which is what I spoke about last week, about creating good habits for success. If you've got out of your habit of doing something that you know is good for you, i.e. a slimming club, attending some sort of weight loss place where you maintain or you're working to lose some weight and remain healthy, if you've lost that, one, it was taken away, but now it's been reintroduced. If you've lost that courage to just go along there and believe in yourself that you're entitled to and you're worthy of attending. If you've lost that, it's very, very difficult to get that back. Very hard. It's thinking about what you could or you should be doing. And it's so much harder than actually doing it. So people might say at the slimming clubs, they might say to you, the hardest thing about it was walking through those doors, walking through and getting on the scales. That was the hardest thing. Actually following the program, following the the weight loss program and the nutrition package, that was okay. It was the it was the fear, the overcoming the fear and the anxiety of first attending and doing something we've not done for so long, now that we've been conditioned into not doing it. And I think that makes sense because, you know, if you're used to something and you've always done it and then it gets taken away, you get used to not doing that thing. And you can easily, you know, replace that time and that effort and that money with something different. And sometimes that can be a good thing. That can be a really good thing. But other times it could be detrimental to your health or 
to your family or to your career, however, however it may be. So as we're starting now to return to more normal routines, it means it's a great time now for us to start introducing habits that are going to enhance our mental health in the long term. So thinking about things that we enjoy doing that we know are good for us. So I'm not just talking about weight loss. I'm talking about anything that's good for you. So for me, last week I spoke to you about my PhD studies, about me being excited, about being able to be allowed back into university and actually sit with other people. You know, for somebody, I mean, I'm 35. um, And for me to say that I'm excited about going sitting in a classroom with other students, it just sounds so surreal. But that is who I am. And that is what I want to do. And that's what makes me progresses me makes me move forwards you know that is good for my mental well-being in the long term and the short term because that is what I'm aiming to do I'm aiming to complete my PhD and that involves me spending particular sessions with other students so I have been able to do that virtually I have been able to watch things on zoom and join in on zoom or on um, Microsoft Teams that's another one that we use sometimes but it's just not the same In my opinion, I just prefer the real physical interaction, the live experience. But obviously that couldn't happen. So we we had to improvise and use it virtually, which worked just like everybody else did around the country. That's that's fine. But for me to be excited about that and to share that with you is it just seems so surreal, but yet so normal at the same time. And I can only imagine how children must have felt when they couldn't go to school. You know, once that sort of novelty of having a few weeks off, once that wore off and the children of all ages, the children would have been sitting thinking, I can't wait to go back. Or maybe they were quite happy as they were. Maybe they weren't too bothered. But all the children I know, my own included, and all my friends' children, they were all excited because they wanted to return to that environment with peers, with friends, with real people, with real emotion because it was good for them. It's good for their well-being. And of course, it's good for long-term well-being because it's education. You know, they have to go to school by law. They have to be taught. They have to learn particular things for when they're adults. If you think throughout our lives, all sorts of events and experiences, they can throw us off guard. You know, the pandemic being perhaps the one that's coming to all our minds at the minute, but everybody through life has had something what's come up and knocked them off. It's made them step down or back off a little bit or pause and then restart that's just life that's what happens and and people do find things hard but ultimately what happens is we become our biggest critics and we blame ourselves we find self we, we constantly find fault with ourselves and with our bodies you know with our mental health with what we're doing with the people we're with and we undermine ourselves so this is something that we need to change a very positive change that we can make is to sort of turn down that dial on your self-critical voice. It's to to treat yourself, to consciously treat yourself as you would treat a friend or a partner or a child. You'd be kind and understanding and you'd be very encouraging if things didn't go to plan for that person. You would never ridicule them and say they'd failed. Never. So why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we think we can't do something? Why do we believe that we're not good enough or not clever enough? are not capable enough to do something because that's what happens we do we say these things something throws us off guard and we become critical of ourselves but yet that same thing throws our friends off guard or our family member off guard we're not critical about it we're very encouraging and supportive to them because we want them 
to have the best experience and to have very high self-belief that they can still continue, even with whatever it is that's thrown them off. It can just be seen as maybe a hurdle in the road or something that they have to overcome, but they can continue on that journey. It's just taken a slightly different path. Another thing what happens here is so many people have lost motivation and we've lost focus on what we're doing. Having experienced, you know, unexpected challenges. We've faced all kinds of different things. We've been told one thing, we've been told something else. We've been asked to do something, we're being told not to do something. And those decisions are made by the people that have to make those decisions. And that's, you know, I'm not here to criticize what they do at all. But the the effect it has on us, you know, as a general public and as people living that experience, it makes us lose our motivation and makes you lose your focus because you're starting to worry about things that you never thought you'd have to worry about. You know, perhaps if you're someone like me who likes exercise, I like running and I keep my running up by always having some kind of race that I've entered into, whether it's long distance or short distance. I spread races out throughout the year and I try and do like seven or eight, maybe a year. And if I'm entered into a race, it means I will go out and train as part of my exercise. For 12 months, that couldn't happen. There was no races allowed. So it it was really hard for me to keep up my running, knowing that I wasn't actually going to do anything with it. Not straight away. I was going to do in the long term. Of course I was. And as it goes, all those races were deferred for this year and next year. So I'm still in those races. I've still got my place. But because I didn't get the instant sort of gratification of running today, knowing that next month I'll be able to run it in a race this distance, that wasn't happening. So it would have been very easy for me to lose my motivation to go out and run because I would be thinking, well, what's the point? I can't race anyway. And it's only because of the training I've had and the people I work with now that I've learned just to ignore that. And I don't see that part anymore. I just see, well, I'm going out running. doesn't matter if there's a, a goal for it. You know, it doesn't matter if there's a short term goal. I'm still going out running because I know it's good for me long term. And that's as far as it goes. So these different and unexpected challenges we have all been facing, they do send us off guard. It does make you pay attention to other things that maybe you can't control. That's what happened with me. So the things I could control were the things I'd enjoyed doing, going out, seeing people, going out to the gym, exercising, going to university. They were things I could choose whether I wanted to do or not. And I chose to do them. So I focused my time and my energy on those things. And that was my routine. That was what I did every day. And that was my identity. And then along came the pandemic and stripped me of all that. So then I was just left with 24 hours a day of not being allowed to do the things I've always done that defined who I was. So then I had to think about, well, who am I without these things? There must be more to me than this. Was I just doing those things out of habit because I've always done them? Was I still enjoying those things as much as I thought I was? Or again, was it just through habits because I've always enjoyed doing them? What I'd like to say to you is I'm going to give you a couple of tips here that I would like my listeners, those of you that have asked for this information, I know that this will be useful for you. And hopefully those of you that are listening will find it useful too. So I'm just going to give you five tips that can help you to get back into some kind of routine if that's what you need. And basically, it's something that will just help you get back to maybe focusing on things that are important to you and things that you can control. So the first one would be to try and go outside every day, okay? Even if that's just a 10-minute walk to the shop and back, whether that's taking some children to school or young, young people maybe to nursery like I do. Maybe you're walking for a bus to get a bus to work. Maybe you can just go outside and sit in the garden. You know, you don't have to be traveling as such. You just need to be outside, especially at this time of year. 
it's nice. I know it can be warm and sometimes it's not always as sunny as it could be, but just being outside in a different environment with a different space, the energy is different. It will raise your energy. It'll help you feel better. Number two is try to get moving more. So with that, I mean some kind of exercise. So maybe that is your walk. Maybe that's your walk to school and back. What you've done when you've gone outside earlier. Maybe that's a specific routine you have got. Maybe you go to a gym like I do. Maybe you go running or cycling like I do. Maybe you like walking and you live near a nice park or somewhere, a canal or somewhere you can walk that's nice. Or it's cycling perhaps. So try to get moving. Even if it's not for too long, just try to get some Outdoor fresher, and if you can do it whilst you're moving, that's a bonus, yeah? Number three, try to eat good foods. So try to eat the foods that you know are good for you. So I'm not saying anybody needs to sign up to any slimming weight loss plans or start counting calories. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if you think about what you're eating, is it the kind of things you'd be happy to see your children eating? Is it the kind of things you'd encourage other people to eat to help them feel better? And that includes drinks as well. So, you know... I'll have to mention alcohol in there. I'm not saying don't drink alcohol, but if you know that drinking a lot of alcohol doesn't serve you well and makes you feel perhaps quite negative or angry or sad, then just be aware of how much you're going to drink and try to stop before you get to that point where you feel those negative feelings. So that's your food and your drink. Number four, try to reconnect with new or old friends. Know that we are allowed to meet people again. And hopefully in a couple of weeks time from this recording, restrictions will ease a little bit more and there won't be any any sort of limitations on numbers and going seeing people. But currently we are allowed to see other people indoors and outside. So again, that is a luxury that should never have to be a luxury, but we now see it as a luxury because we got denied that for so long. So try to reconnect with people that you knew before maybe you've made some new friends in recent times maybe you've got friends that you've met online that you've never actually seen in real life because I've got a lot of that I've met lots of people my clients I can't wait to go and see some of my clients for real because we spent so long having a you know professional relationship online and speaking to each other and I'm just so excited to actually get to see them so try to reconnect with people where you can and number five try to make sure you do much more positive self-talk much more being nice to yourself, not being critical, not blaming yourself when something goes wrong. Treat yourself as you would treat somebody, maybe your friend, your partner, your children. If something goes wrong, encourage yourself, respect yourself, try to offer advice to yourself rather than simply saying, it's no good, it won't work, I can't do it. It's my fault. You wouldn't say that to a friend, so don't say it to yourself. You need to be supportive and you must have much more positive self-talk and much less negative. Because without those things, without all five of those things, then you're going to find it very difficult to start to reintegrate yourself into society and to start to just get back to some sort of normal. So that's what I'd like for you to do this week, guys, please. I'd like you to think about what I've said and see if there's anything that you need to do to make it easier for you. If there's anything you need to stop doing that will make it easier for you. And also, if there's anything more that you need support on that you can ask me for, and I'll get in touch with you and I'll tell you what I can do. And I'll share with you the different things I do for different people and what's available. You're never on your own. I'll never leave anybody on their own and I will do the best I can for you. So if you have anything you'd like, please just reach out, let me know, and I will come back to you. I can only help if I know people need help. So thank you very much for listening to me today. 
and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with you again next week and I hope you all have a great week ahead and I'll speak to you all soon. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining me here today on this week's episode of the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, I'd love for you to share with a friend. And also please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favourite podcasting platform. If you have any questions, feedback or you'd like to join me as a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at joanne.ckearns at inspiredlifesolutionslimited.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.